Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I'm a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote intuitive fasting, the inflammation spectrum, ketotarian. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, becoming a patient, the, the books, there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R- W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, I have a brand new book that's for pre-order right now. It's called Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. So I'm really talking about this bi-directional relationship between mental health and physical health and something that we talk about on the show and I talk about with my patients so much is that mental health is physical health. Our brain is a part of our body. I'm talking about this interconnectedness between the two, gut and feelings physiological and psychological. So on the one side, the research I get to explore in gut feelings around shame and chronic stress and trauma, and even the fascinating field of intergenerational trauma and how those mental, emotional, spiritual factors impact our physical health, how it's stored in our cells, how it impacts our nervous system, how it impacts inflammation levels and our hormones, how it impacts our gut-brain axis. But then conversely, looking how how underlying gut problems like SIBO and chronic infections like mold toxins or chronic Lyme disease, how nutrient deficiencies, how those physiological things impacts our mood, how it impacts things like anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog, something I get to see these two sides of these coins every day consulting patients. And I really am excited to share it with you in Gut Feelings. When you pre-order the book, we're giving away tons of free stuff. You get to be a Gut Feelings VIP insider when you pre-order. So you can check all the pre-order goodness for Gut Feelings at drwillcole.com. And also, we're giving away free signed books when you rate and review The Art of Being Well on Apple Podcasts. So every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, we'll be randomly picking winners and I'll reach out to you. And I'll ask what book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. So you can do it two different ways. In the Apple Podcast Review, you can leave your Instagram handle or you can screenshot your Apple Podcast Review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every month we'll be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast Reviews themselves and randomly picking winners every single month. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. He is a dear friend of mine brilliant colleague. He's been on the show once before. We're going to get even deeper in today's conversation. His name is Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen's mission is to end mental illness by creating a revolution in brain health. Dr. Amen is an adult and child psychiatrist, author, and brain imaging pioneer. He is the CEO and founder of Amen Clinics with 10 locations across the United States Amen Clinics has the world's largest database of brain scans for psychiatry 
totaling more than 200,000 spec scans and counting on patients from 155 countries. He is also the founder of BrainMD, a fast-growing science-based nutraceutical company, and Amen University, which has trained thousands of medical and mental health professionals about the brain. Dr. Amen is an 18-time national best-selling author, including Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, The End of Mental Illness, The Daniel Plan, Healing ADD, and so much more. All right, let's get right to it. This is Dr. Daniel Amen's Art of Being Well. Dr. Amen, my friend, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Well, makes me happy just seeing you. <laughs> We're going to talk all about happiness. Makes me happy to see you. You're one of the few people that are return guests of The Art of Being Well. So thank you so much. And I have to say on a personal note, I haven't said this publicly yet on the podcast or anything, but you and your team helped me and my son out so much. Got to be, I'm not used to being a patient. I'm actually a really bad patient <laughs> being a, a, a doctor, but I was taking such great care by your team. I just wanted to optimize my health. I wanted to learn about my brain. So I went to the best in the world, which is you and your team. And my son Solomon is such a super fan of you. You're the rock star to Solomon. So thank you, my friend. I appreciated it. I'm grateful to be able to help. Yeah, I learned a lot about my brain through the scans and just a deeper level. So I'm used to looking at labs and on that front, but to actually see my brain and see the different areas and how I could support it really was illuminating. And it probably never gets old for you, right? Never does. It's just the most interesting discovery. And, you know, when I grew up in the 60s, space was the new frontier. Well, now everybody knows it's the space between your ears. And even Elon Musk, who's building rockets to Mars, he's also studying how you can enhance brain function. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about happiness, how to get happy, the neuroscience behind happiness and feeling good. So let's start with how did the book come to be? You, you could have wrote a book about anything, but you chose happiness. Why? And why now? Because after the pandemic, during and after the pandemic, Americans are the unhappiest they have been since the Great Depression. And I'm like, but wait a minute. You can be happy even when times are tough if you discipline your mind and get a healthy brain. And I'm like, during the pandemic, I had to close my Manhattan clinic for a month. One of my young employees ended up on a ventilator. My dad and mom got COVID and then my dad died. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to study happiness, right? Because as authors, you know, you and I both, we write about what we want to learn about. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the tens of thousands of patients who come to Amen Clinics, they all want the same thing. Mm -hmm. They all want to be happier. And I know how to do that, right? For myself personally, the happiest I've ever been and for the people we serve. And happiness is a moral obligation, and I'm like, whoa, why is it a moral obligation, right? A lot of people think of happiness as fluff. It's not important. When I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, I went to Catholic school. And in my school and in my family, the idea that happiness is a moral obligation was nowhere to be found. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you almost should feel bad if you want to feel good. And yet, why do I say it's a moral obligation? Because of how you impact other people. Yeah. Now, I guarantee you, if you were raised by an unhappy parent or married to an unhappy spouse or raising an unhappy child, and I ask you whether or not you think happiness is an ethical issue, you're absolutely going to say yes. Right. Because people are contagious. And ultimately... I love this book so much because mm -hmm. one, it helps me, just reminds me to do the daily tiny habits of happiness. Mm -hmm. And 
the book's been just so well received. Makes yeah. me happy. It's very well done, as all your books are. You mentioned it being a moral obligation, and then you think of people. You, like you said, we all know somebody that it really can change the whole dynamic of a room. And the, the saying is, "Hurt people, hurt people." Well, it's really unhappy people hurt people, right? We can be hurt and heal and be happy, correct? Well, and the and corporate America is making big money off of our unhappiness from the pharmaceutical industry that is just doing better than ever by drugging people into being less depressed. But then they're also making us depressed with the bad food that they pour down the throats of Mm -hmm. Americans, especially children. And then the negative news, which is there's actually in the Washington Post like a leaderboard on what articles get the most hits. And it's always about the political divide. Mm -hmm. It's always about what scares people, what infuriates people, what frustrates people. Well, that leads. And if it Mm -hmm. leads, it makes them more money. Yeah. And it bleeds. And that's just shameful. I'm like, horrified. There's a new book by Chris Steyerwald, who was at Fox for a long time, and it's called Broken News. Mm. And the business model is hurtful because they make money selling copper underwear by scaring you. And I'm (laughs) like, this is just not okay. (laughs) No, it's not. You (laughs) talk about in the book how happiness is a brain function. I don't think a lot of people think of it as that, but coming from a neuroscience background, explain what you mean by that. Well, how is happiness a brain function? Well, your brain controls everything you do, how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you get along with other people. It's the organ of loving, of learning, and every decision you make. And so when I started writing this book, I gave 500 consecutive patients the Oxford Happiness Questionnaire. Mm. And then we scan people. I mean, that's what we do. And I looked at the scans of people who had high happiness versus people who had low happiness. And the people who had high happiness had healthier brains, Mm. especially in the pleasure centers in their brain and in their prefrontal cortex, the most human thoughtful part of the brain. And it's very clear to me that if you hurt your brain, you're less likely to be happy. And I did the big NFL study at a time when the NFL was lying that it had a problem. We have scanned and treated 300 NFL players. I mean, like cool players like Rosie Greer and Dick Buckus and Terry Bradshaw. And they had four times the level of depression as the general population four times. Wow. And so don't hurt your brain. And they had plenty of reasons to be happy, right? Right. Many of them had big contracts. They Mm -hmm. were well-known. They had purpose, but don't hurt your brain. Don't hurt your brain. So in the book, you talk about the neuroscience of different brain types, and you teach us in the book how to discover what brain type we are. We won't have the time to go through all of it. That's why they need to get the book. But I want to highlight a few brain types within the book that I find extra fascinating. First one I want to talk about is the spontaneous brain type. You talk about the prefrontal cortex again there and dopamine. What's the spontaneous brain type? But, you know, one of the things, well, I learned is most books on happiness, they give you like these prescriptions, whether it's gratitude or positivity or meaning, purpose, and all of those things are awesome. But it really depends on the type of brain you have that for some people, novelty and, you know, the happiness writers write about novelty and how important it is. Well, for type two, that's the spontaneous type, novelty is really important. And they like jumping out of airplanes or (laughs) bungee jumping over, you know, the Grand Canyon. Give that to a type five and it makes them unhappy. And so happy, the strategies need to be geared to whatever type of brain 
you have. And the spontaneous tends to have low levels of dopamine and lower activity in the prefrontal cortex. They love, love surprises, hate routine, where the persistent people, type three, hate surprises and love routine. And so knowing the type, and there's five primary types, balanced, spontaneous, persistent, sensitive, and cautious, Mm-hmm. knowing your primary type mm-hmm. and then doing something every day mm. that makes you happy. I love that. So the other brain type that you mentioned here that I find fascinating is the sensitive brain type. And you discuss about the limbic system in the brain, oxytocin, endorphins. What's unique about the sensitive brain and what's going on on a neuroscience level? You know, they were hurt the most in the pandemic Mm. with the isolation because the sensitive type needs relationship. They need to be connected and they tend to have more ants, more automatic negative thoughts. And unless they're taught how to master their mind, they can really struggle with Mm. their moods. And so if you take isolation, fear, negativity, they're much more likely to be depressed. Mm -hmm, Certainly. And then the cautious brain type, you talk about the anxiety centers of the brain again and and GABA specifically. So what's unique about this group? Well, they need safety and security. So their amygdala and basal ganglia tend to work too hard and they are masterful at predicting the worst. And again, the pandemic made them more anxious, but using strategies like meditation, diaphragmatic breathing, GABA, magnesium, ashwagandha, theanine can just be so helpful for them. So if you know your type, Mm -hmm. then you know what supplements or medication might help your type. Right. And you can balance it so it doesn't have to haunt you. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you heard about Open? You have to check this out. Open is this freaking amazing mindfulness app built to transform our lives. You can experience the power of combining breathwork, meditation, sound, and movement to strengthen your mind-body connection. You can practice digitally on their app and website or in person at their studio in Venice, California. They have this breathwork and meditation challenge that I'm going to do this month in January that I want you all to join me because it's going to be amazing. Open's Breathwork and Meditation Challenge is completely free and you get unlimited digital access to the app from January 1st through the 31st. Me and everybody else in on this free challenge are gonna complete 31 practices in 31 days. You can use any digital class on the app or website. You get daily breathwork and daily meditation practices that are guided. And the bonus is you can enhance your results with unlimited access to movement classes like yoga, Pilates, and high-intensity interval training. When you complete the challenge, you get entered to win an open in-person retreat. Stay connected with your community on the open app social feed. You can share your open profile handle with your community to stay connected, explore popular classes, and share kudos with everybody else in the community. Open is without a doubt one of my favorite apps for meditation and breath work. So join me in the challenge. Go to withopen.com slash Will Cole to sign up. Again, that's withopen.com slash Will Cole. W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N.com slash Will Cole to sign up for this free challenge this month. And don't worry if you're hearing this a few days into January at all. Don't stress. Join whenever you listen to this. It's not too late. Find the link in the show notes to practice for free. In the book, you discuss the lies of happiness, which I love this part of the book, and the, or the myths of happiness. Lie number two in the book says, don't worry, be happy mindset, promoted, promoted by the famous 1980s Grammy song of the year. It said that the lie is that that concept will make you happy. What's, what's going on there? Why is that a myth? Well, I always wanted to be that person. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of seven children. I have an older brother and he's totally the don't worry, be happy person. 
He's like off work at three on the golf course, but he's also 150 pounds overweight. And there's this great study out of Stanford where they looked at 1,548 10-year-old children in 1921. And then they followed them for 90 years, looking at what went with health, success, and longevity. And the only thing that went with longevity and happiness was whether or not you were conscientious. Mm. And the don't worry, be happy people died the earliest (laughs) from accidents and preventable illnesses. So I gave up the idea of I wanted to be like my brother because I don't. Mm -hmm. What I want is to be conscientious. I want to show up. I want to have. and, And this is a hard concept for some people. But some anxiety is absolutely critical. People who have low levels of anxiety, and you and I see this in our patients, people who have low levels of anxiety, they don't do what we ask them to do. Yeah. Right? And I keep thinking to myself, why are you coming back if you're not (laughs) doing what I want you to do? I mean, I know I have a very good personality, but (laughs) it's like, Come on, let's go. Yeah. So I find myself, and the scans do this. And you probably, when you saw your scan, probably raised your anxiety a -hmm. little bit. It's like, oh no, I can do better. Yeah. You know, I want a better brain because without a better brain, things are going to be harder for me. And I found the scans to be incredibly helpful that way to get people attached to their brains and Mm -hmm. want to make them better. So people who have low levels of anxiety, they go to jail more often than other people and they die more. So it's, it's finding the right dose of anxiety, you know, a little bit that helps you make good decisions, but obviously not too much that makes you suffer. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I always think of those people that you and I see from time to time that they don't listen, right? They're not very compliant patients. And I, I, I think the same thing. Why do you keep coming back here? Are you just like hanging out with me because you're not doing anything I say? I almost feel like at some point, it's they are, we're planting seeds in their life, right? It's not clicking now, but it'll click and they'll have that aha moment. And then everything we've taught them will fall into place. At least that's my hope that even if they're not doing it now, we're incrementally planting seeds in their life. Well, I have a great story about that when I decided. So I've had a complicated relationship with my dad. And when I told him I wanted to be a psychiatrist in 1979, so 43 years ago, he asked me why I didn't want to be a real doctor, Mm. why I wanted to be a nut doctor and hang out with nuts all day long. And that was hurtful. Yeah. But it sort of was our relationship. He didn't really care if he hurt my feelings. And then in 1991, when I started looking at the brain, I'm like, oh, the brain is an organ like the heart is an organ. If I want a healthy brain, I'm going to get my body healthy, right? Because the whole purpose of the body is to carry around your brain. That's the whole purpose of our body. And as I got healthy, because I love my dad, complicated relationship, but I love him. I'm like, Pop, you got to get healthy. You're like overweight and your blood sugar is too high. And he's like, oh, great. My son, who is the nut doctor, is now a health nut. What is it with you and the nuts? <laughs> and for no lie, 25 years, he would diminish me in front of my siblings and friends. And it wasn't until he was 85 and he got sick. Mm. He had mold in his house, developed a chronic cough, and then a heart arrhythmia, and then heart failure. Mm. But he looked at me one day, and he'd never been depressed in his life. In fact, he would tell you, I give depression, I don't get it. He got depressed, and he looked at me, and he said, I'm sick of being sick. What do you want me to do? Mm. And he's so stubborn. He did everything I said. And within six months, he'd lost 40 pounds. He went back to work. He was playing golf. He was better than he had been in decades. Wow. And then he was bragging on me to everybody, like (laughs) his siblings. It's like, your brother wouldn't like that. You know, what would Danny think about that? Wow. And the only reason he did that 
is I modeled the message. Yes. Yes. And every day you are modeling great health and happiness Mm. or you're modeling illness and sadness. Yeah. And it's it's a very important question to ask yourself. What am I modeling for Mm. those people I love? Health or illness? So good. Wow. I can think of how many people that that spoke to right now. It's like, you need to teach with your life. Like, let your life be the billboard. Uh, uh, And people will come when they're ready. They will take it when they're ready. The next lie that I want to talk about with happiness in the book is, I find this very, I'm excited we're talking about this now, is someplace else will make you happy. I see this a lot with some friends of mine and patients too, is that they if I go here, then I'll be happy. It's some external thing. What's what, Why is that a lie? Because you take yourself with you wherever you go. A lot of people thought here in California, it's like, oh, I'll go to Texas and Florida and have yeah. more freedom. Calexitus. <laughs> but it didn't happen because you took your habits with you. Mm-hmm. It's happiness is not external. It's internal. And it comes from the health of your brain, knowing your type, and then developing the right habits of happiness. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another one, we touched upon it last time you were here, but I want to talk about today in a different way as it relates to happiness and the brain is that alcohol makes you happy. A lot of times people, even though they wouldn't come out and say that, but really that's something, an unconscious belief that they, that's a source of joy in their life. Why, why is that a lie? Well, it'll help you feel better fast, but it clearly won't last. And do you want to feel good now and later or now, but not later? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so important to get this mindset of, will it help me now and later? Because, you know, banana split will help you feel good now, but half an hour later, you're not going to feel great. Mm -hmm. Alcohol has so many problems. And everywhere on TV, you see alcohol because of the sponsors. And it's just so critical to not believe the lies. Same thing's true with marijuana. And now the big exciting thing for many people is mushrooms is hallucinogens. And again, can help you feel good now, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it fix anybody now, but not later. Yeah. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. You're right. A lot of times people are talking about psychedelics specifically and people that have PTSD and different you know, traumas and anxiety, panic disorders. What are your, what's your thought on that? If it's done in a specific, is there a specific way that it could be done where you, it could be beneficial? Obviously we're not advocating people abusing it in any way, but what are your thoughts? Is there a place for, or not so much you think? Brand new. And there is such little research on it. And, you know, let's just take the example of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Oh, marijuana is innocuous. In fact, I'm so mad at Cory Booker because during the presidential debates, President Biden, then Vice President Biden said, you know, I'm not a fan of federally legalizing it. I think it needs more study. And in front of the whole country, Cory Booker shamed him. And he said, man, are you high? And it infuriated me because we know as psychiatrists that teenagers who use marijuana have an increased risk of anxiety, depression, suicide, in their 20s and a 450% increased risk of psychosis. And that's a replicated study from Norway. And, you know, we have, there's a 17 1700% increase of babies born with marijuana in their system. And that's a disaster for a developing brain. Marijuana damages myelin production and myelin is the white fatty substance that gets laid down to protect neurons. And it's actually how the brain develops. And I think 
mushrooms are going to go the same way for some people. They'll be very helpful. There'll be lots of stories of these dramatic breakthroughs. But I go back to the Oscars and I was like a huge fan of Will Smith. I'm a con- was a consultant on the movie Concussion. I actually think he should have won the Oscar for that. He was so good portraying Bennett Amalu. But so I read his autobiography right before the Oscars and it's brilliant, except the last chapter where he says he's done ayahuasca 14 times. So obviously he didn't fix anything with it. Right. I mean, the whole world just saw him fall apart. I think we have to do the basic fundamental things. Mm -hmm. And if you've had trauma, well, are you looking at your brain? I published a huge study showing we could see the difference between emotional trauma and physical trauma. And often people have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, also have traumatic brain injuries, mm-hmm. especially soldiers. Uh, and so just to be giving people psychedelics without any biological information, quite frankly, I think that's just insane. Right. And plus, there are other natural treatments. I love EMDR. It's mm-hmm. a specific psychological treatment for trauma. I do it. I find it's just the, one of the most effective things I do. Help eliminate the traumas from the past and kill the ants, the automatic yeah. negative thoughts. And I find so many people who are interested in the quick fix, they want to go to the mushrooms without doing the foundational yeah. work to get your brain yeah. and mind healthy. Right. They're almost, yeah. The, we, the integration is so important. The actual work is so good. And, and I agree with you with EMDR. I've seen fantastic results working alongside practitioners like yourself that's integrating EMDR without any, there's no negative side effects. It's just the person gets better over time in most cases. Putting yourself first in the new year doesn't have to be a challenge. Thanks to Talkspace. Using Talkspace feels a little like having a mental health professional in your pocket. Talkspace offers therapy and psychiatry, and being able to reach out to providers anytime, anywhere makes taking care of your mental health super easy. Whether you're working or managing everyday tasks, taking care of your own mental health has never been easier. Working through things in therapy can be tough, but connecting with your therapy should not be. Plus, you can get help with or without insurance. It doesn't matter. Most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. As a functional medicine doctor in telehealth, I am such a fan of what Talkspace is doing. They are democratizing and making mental health care accessible and affordable to people all around the world. And I love working in conjunction with the Talkspace mental health experts with my patients who need it because mental health is physical health and it's both sides of the coin. So in functional medicine, we're dealing with the physiological and the amazing experts at Talkspace are dealing with the mental and emotional. I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. You can text, video, or send voice messages to your licensed therapist, so it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off of your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com and use code ABW. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com, use the code ABW to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the art of being well. That's ABW and Talkspace.com. I'm curious to get your thoughts on the not so long ago meta-analysis that the whole world is talking about with serotonin, and there's no evidence to show that depression is a result of a lack of serotonin or a quote unquote, there's no, basically a chemical imbalance. There's no solid evidence for that. You're the, you're the master at this stuff. You know, that research inside and out. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I've known it for 30 years. And the problem is not that SSRIs don't work because for the right people, they work, but it's only about 20% of people who are depressed. And that's why in big, large-scale studies, they'll go, serotonin's not it. Mm -hmm. It's really the wrong question. The right question is what type of depression? 
mm. do you have? It, depression is like chest pain. Nobody gets a diagnosis of chest pain. Why? Because it's a symptom. It doesn't tell you what's causing it, and it doesn't tell you what to do for it, right? So if we think of all the causes of chest pain, it could be a heart attack, a heart arrhythmia, a heart infection. It could be pneumonia. It could be you got punched in the chest. It could be you worked out wrong. It could be you have gas. It could be you have reflux. It could be you have anxiety or grief. When I went through a period of grief about 17 years ago, I had crushing chest pain. Are you going to give everybody nitroglycerin who has chest pain, right? That's insane. Right. Depression is exactly the same way. It has many different causes. It could be low dopamine. It could be low serotonin. It could be low norepinephrine. It could be you had a head injury. It could be you've been exposed to mold. It could be you have COVID and COVID causes little inflammatory bomb in your brain, which I've seen so often, or you could have Lyme disease. It could be you had general anesthesia and that damaged your brain and caused depression. Mm -hmm. Do not give everybody Lexapro or Prozac who's depressed. That's ridiculous. But it's what American psychiatry has recommended for the last three decades, which is why my dad said, why don't you want to be a real doctor? Right. I mean, I love being a psychiatrist, but quite frankly, my profession doesn't act like medical doctors or scientists. It's much more witchcraft. Oh, you have these symptoms. Let's take this drug. And the problem with it, medications like benzodiazepines, which are addictive and damage your memory and increase your risk of dementia, are being passed out like candy. There is actually a 20% increase in benzo prescriptions for teenagers during the pandemic. And this is just not okay with me to not try to target the underlying causes of anxiety or depression, but just hand out pills. And I heard a lecture once by John Paul DiGiorio, who's a billionaire who started the Paul Mitchell company. And he said, you never want to be in the order business. You always want to be in the reorder business and the pharmaceutical industry. That's what they want it yeah. for people who are depressed is we don't want to give you something to fix it. We yeah. want to give you something that will change your brain to need it in order for you to feel OK. And so now we have this, pardon my French, shit show that's going on in our society where last year there were 337 million prescriptions for antidepressants. This is what people see as the answer. And it's a false God. It's a false mm -hmm. answer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that insight and context. And uh, this is the language that we speak. And for everybody listening here, what he's saying is, Depression is the check engine light, but we don't know what's underneath the hood. And that's why you're such an advocate for people to find out their brain types, to find out what's going on in their brain and address it appropriately. So it may be a tool for some people, but it's falling short when you're oversimplifying it and making broad sweeping generalizations over um, something like as complex as depression. Within the book, you talk about the biology of happiness. You talk about the psychology of happiness. People will get a step-by-step -step plan to start to reclaim happiness in their life. So you have to check it out, everybody. My friend, I could talk to you forever about this. I want to pivot into your art of being well, which you did this last time for me. I'm going to give you different questions so you don't even know what's going to happen. But I want to pick your brain, different facets of wellness. First question is, what is a healthy food that is the worst tasting healthy food for you, but you still eat it? because it is so good for you? Curry. Tell me about it. <laughs> don't <I> like <laughs> curry. I actually take curcumin because turmeric is, I, I just don't like the taste of it, mm -hmm. but I'll sort of make myself eat it because the spice is so good for you, but I don't really love it. How do you take it in? How Are you putting, just sprinkling it on food? You put it in smoothie? How do you do it? Oh, no, my wife makes curry soup 
but it's actually delicious. But it's just, I'm like, why do you hate me? And <laughs> so I actually, Brain MD actually makes brain curcumins. And I take those every day because of the anti-inflammatory properties of it. And you don't have to taste it when you take it in a capsule form. And I don't have to taste it. <laughs> Speaking of supplements, you talk about in the book, nutraceuticals, we're talking about happiness specifically. What obviously is down to the specific person's brain type and case, but just generally speaking for the average listener out there, what are two nutraceuticals, brain mood boosting supplements that you see in the biggest game changes for people? So my favorite is we also make something called Happy Saffron. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I had to close my Manhattan clinic. My dad got sick and I lost him. We just finished formulating Happy Saffron. It's got saffron, zinc, and curcumins. And why saffron? There are 24 randomized controlled trials head-to-head against Prozac, Effexor, Zoloft, Imipramine, good antidepressants, showing it's equally effective with dramatically fewer side effects. So it boosts your mood and helps you be happy. During the pandemic, my assistant got sad and I gave her happy saffron. And the next day she started humming. So I thought it was so funny. I'm like, why are you humming? She said, I don't know why I'm humming. <laughs> and she, you know, when she's happy, she hums. But in addition, saffron, there are four studies showing it helps with memory, including on people who have severe memory problems. Mm. And five studies showing it helps sexual function. So if I'm like mood, memory, and sex, I'm like, no, I'm going to take this. (laughs) You had me from hello. (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing and we'll put the links to all the formulas that you're talking about in the show notes for people what's your favorite restaurant in the world and when you're there what do you order oh my goodness i just said this to my wife we went to back to school night we adopted our two nieces you know i'm 68 why do i have a 12 year old because (laughs) amelie's parents couldn't stop being bad parents oh And so I'm like, so I figured it out. It was like, I've been back to school night for 40 years. You know, my (laughs) old 45. And after we did that, it was great fun. We went to a restaurant in Laguna Niguel here in Southern California called Taste of Grease. And the food is so fresh and so healthy. The salad's amazing. Um, You know, I'm a fan of lamb because it has higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids. Cabbage was incredible. So if you had to go, what's your favorite restaurant? Tastes of Greece. Love it. Sounds amazing. What's the weirdest wellness thing that you've done that you're willing to admit on a podcast, Dr. Amen? Weirdest wellness. And I know weird is relative in our world. Well, (laughs) if I turn my camera around, I have a sauna here in my office and I go in it on a regular basis. And I'm like, why would I go in a sauna? Because (laughs) people take the most saunas have the lowest incidence of Alzheimer's disease. And if Mm. you're depressed, one sauna bath has been found to have antidepressant qualities. So it's sort of odd for a psychiatrist to go take a sauna and you'll be happy. (laughs) That's great. Some mood boosting benefits right there. What do you think of, I I think you're a fan of hyperbaric therapy, correct? Huge fan. I'm like one of hyperbaric's biggest cheerleaders. Why? Because it increases blood flow to the brain. It increases stem cell production. The brand new study I just read yesterday morning on mild traumatic brain injury showed significant improvement on SPECT and on cognitive testing. Love it. What's your favorite way to get a great night's sleep? I mean, that could really mess up people's happiness if they're not sleeping well. Obviously, there's different reasons for poor sleep. So, But what's some pro tips if someone's having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? Well, one of my favorite exercises in You Happier is when you go to bed at night. So, you know, I think of brain health is three things. The brain envy, got to care about it. Avoid things that hurt it, do things that help it. 
And I think sleep's the same way. Sleep envy, got to care about it. It's critical. It's one of the top 11 things you can do for your brain. Avoid things that hurt it. So caffeine, blue light, warm room, light room, noisy room. So do those things right. But when you go to bed, have a ritual. So I have a ritual. I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And I literally go on a treasure hunt. I start at the beginning of the day and I'm looking even for the micro moments Mm. of happiness. Like it was warm this morning so I could sit outside, saw the hummingbirds, which just make me happy. I got to talk to you today. I'm going to go through my day looking for the little things, the big things that make me happy. And the negative stuff will sort of pop up. But I imagine a big broom, sweep that stuff away because the point before bed is to set my dreams up to be happier. I love that. And if you dream more, and you know, I'll tell you, Will, how powerful this is. So my dad died May 5th of 2020, and it was a horrible day, right? If I think about it too much, I'll start to cry. It was a terrible day. And I went to bed that night. I went, what went well? Because it's my habit. People do their habits. Yeah. And, you know, part of my brain resisted the exercise because, like, how could you be a good child if you're going to do this exercise the night your dad dies? But because I do it, my brain just did it. Mm -hmm. And I began to think about an interaction between my mother and the police officer, and I'd been training the Newport Beach Police Department on how to be a brain-healthy police department, so I knew the officer. And it was so funny. She was like, he's like, Mrs. Amen, we have to do an investigation for anyone that dies at home. And my mom's a rational person. She understood it. But she looked at the police officer with a straight face and said, do you think I'm having an affair? My mom's like 89. (laughs) I had him killed. And it was just so funny. (laughs) Then I remembered all the texts I got from my friends who loved me. And then I remember holding his hand. It was so soft before they took him away to the mortuary. And I went to sleep. Mm. And that is managing your mind. So that, you know, it's not the regret, the guilt, the, you know, the stuff that just sort of jumps on you. Right. It, you were never taught to control. And I said, I went to my daughter's, my niece's seventh grade back to school night, not one class in managing your mind. Mm-hmm. It, it's insane. And yeah. I think both you and I, you know, our mission is to educate people on how to be healthy. And it starts when they're young. You want to prevent Alzheimer's disease? You need to start talking to 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, powerful practice. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I'm, I have to ask the man, I mean, at the top of your, your field, do you know what Myers-Briggs personality or Enneagram you are? I have to know. I'm so curious about this. So I'm an ENTJ. I used to be an ENTP, which means I used to be funnier, I think. But <laughs> now I'm much more judgy. <laughs> Or discerning. What well, Enneagram? Enneagram, you know? I'm yeah. a healer. I think that was two. Okay. Oh, great. I could see that. Definitely. If you're, you mentioned caffeine earlier. Do you ever go to Starbucks? Are you a, not a Starbucks guy? If you go to Starbucks, what's your order at Starbucks? Um, so I don't go to Starbucks very often. I mean, maybe I'll get a decaf, almond, milk, latte. Fascinating new study. I don't know if you've been following. So I have... 1.6 million followers on TikTok. So I found a couple of TikTokers I really like. And one of them is always looking at his continuous glucose monitor and what foods tend to impact it. And yesterday, I sent this to everybody I know. He did dairy, mm-hmm. like 2% fat-free milk versus unsweetened almond milk. And dairy jacked up his sugar, probably because of the lactose and galactose, Mm -hmm. the sugars in dairy. Mm -hmm. And unsweetened almond milk didn't do anything. 
wow. to blood sugar. And given that 50% of the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic, we need to be careful mm -hmm. with our blood sugar. Absolutely. We had Dr. Casey Means, who's the CEO, founder, medical director at Levels, which is a at-home continuous glucose monitor. She's great. I'm curious that you always know the latest research out there. So for all the health nerds out there, what are your pro tips to staying abreast with all the cutting edge health science? Well, I think you just have to find sites that you trust. And are there any journals that, that you like specifically? Yeah, I don't like many of the typical journals because I don't think they're that helpful. Advances in mind-body medicine is probably one of my favorite ones. Great. My friend, this has been fantastic as always. Come back anytime. Well, how can people get the book, learn more about your work, follow you on social? Where do they go? So you happier, available everywhere now. So happy about it. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. They can follow me on TikTok, Doc Amen, or on Instagram, Doc underscore Amen, AmenClinics.com to learn about our 10 clinics across the country or BrainMD, our supplement company. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. Love you. Talk to you soon. Love you back. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.